The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, everyone, this is Dr. Ron Huntinghockey. Thank you for listening in once again to uh, our Real Health Podcast. And it is truly my wonderful delight today to have Dr. Kirsten West as our guest. And Dr. West is joining the Reardon Clinic. Dr. West, how does that feel to be coming aboard the Reardon ship? It's exciting. It's exciting. Going to be part of the team. Part of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know everyone that's listening in want want to know a little bit about your journey. And I thought rather than just jumping onto the immediate, let's, let's go back a ways. And so you're a naturopathic oncologist, and maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So, so I'm a naturopathic doctor. So naturopathic doctors go through four years of naturopathic medical school, very similar to standard of care medical school or allopathic medical school, except we have to learn all of the supplements and the drug interactions and things like that. And we're also taught to get a little bit more to the cause of disease. Um, so throughout medical- This is what I missed during my medical school. Yes, training. yes. Oh, and nutrition. We can't forget the nutrition piece too. After so. I found out about naturopathic education, I thought, wait a minute, that's what I really wanted to do. But there was there was no such thing, at least that I, I didn't know about it back here in Kansas. But anyway, you lucky person you so so you learned about all this really good stuff. Yeah. So and I kind of fell into it. You know, I fell into it because my mom is a nurse oh. and I originally wanted to be a medical doctor. And I shadowed many doctors at University of Colorado. And I kind of realized that maybe that's not it, it wasn't really pulling at my heartstrings as much as I thought it was going to. And so when I stumbled across naturopathic medicine, she was the one who was really like, I think this is where healthcare is going. And I think that this is what you should consider. So, so yeah, so went to naturopathic medical school. I have always had this passion for oncology and I developed a passion for oncology late college when my grandmother got sick. Um, And so there's a whole story there, but lo and behold, middle of naturopathic medical school, I met some incredible naturopathic doctors who specialize in oncology and got to know them really well. And through those connections and through that passion driving me forward, I was able to travel to all the residency sites where naturopathic doctors worked alongside medical oncologists and really kind of put myself out there. And so when it was time for residency to come, which I really wanted, I wanted an oncology-based residency, I was offered all of them. And so I got to choose which one I went to and I chose Philadelphia. I was a Colorado girl. I was like, well, let's try the East Coast for a couple of years. Yeah. 
So went out to went out to Philadelphia, worked at Cancer Treatment Centers of America for a couple of years. Dr. Tim's, I know, was in Oklahoma, um, and he did his residency there. And that's really that's been the journey into oncology. And since then, that's what I've done since I've graduated is just worked with oncology patients. So our listeners, of course, they everyone's got to know what an on what an oncologist is. You take care of patients that have yeah. cancer. But what is it that makes a naturopathic oncologist different? What and what, what and what attracted you to that? That's such a good question. So medical oncologists are so wonderful at going after the cells and we need that. We need that conventional aspect or standard of care for medical oncology because we do need to be focused on the cells. But what we forget about is the person through those treatments. And so supporting the person, helping to change the terrain in which the cancer has been able to grow in the, grow in the first place, those, that's the niche that had so long not been filled. And so when I discovered this, it was like a light bulb that went on and I was like, wow, what a need, what a need in medicine. And so it really, it drove, it drove me to practice the way I practice. And I also love the idea of collaboration. I think that it's so important to work as a team, you know, it's not one way or another, but we can actually leverage some of those standard of care therapies to work better while supporting the patient through it all so that at the end, they have better outcomes than they would have. Yeah. So Dr. Timms and I, when we're, we're talking about this topic, we, we oftentimes use, oftentimes use the analogy of the weed and the garden or the weeds and the garden. And so, uh, so basically using that metaphor, what are some of the things that you do uh, in terms of making the soil healthier, making it better so that the weeds aren't as likely to grow or to continue to grow? Yeah. Big thing is patient history, really learning about where they've come from. That's, you know, that's everything. It's from previous health conditions to stressors, to trauma, childhood trauma, all of those things. And then, you know, as you start to get closer to when the disease began, we have to remember that most cancers begin approximately seven to 10 years before we see them. So it's really getting a good history. And then there's the labs and labs, nutrient testing, things like that help us to see what the body is telling us that the patient can't tell us. So when you put all of that together, that's when you get the terrain. And then of course you can also tie in epigenetics, um, additional hormone testing, things like that. We talked about nutrient profile, I mentioned nutrient profiles, environmental toxicants, all of those things help us to discover where the imbalances are, because it's unlikely that these imbalances were there just a couple of weeks ago. Cancer is a process. So we need to help to start unweaving those imbalances to get the patient back to health. And yeah. that's, that's what empowers a patient because they start, we can teach them to understand what it is they need to do to get them where they need to be. So at the Reardon Clinic, people who are listening in that know anything about the Reardon Clinic, we're really big on testing and measuring and trying to understand the biochemical underpinnings of any chronic illness. And certainly we are interested in the individual as a person. And so of those different terrain elements that you've talked about, what, what in your experience seems to tell the biggest story that oftentimes doesn't get uh, looked at when a patient 
goes to see their oncologist? I mean, Dr. Ron, I think it's so much. And I think that one of, you know, one thing that Dr. Nisha Winters did, which was so profound, she and Jess Kelly was create that terrain 10 approach. Because if patients can take that quiz, that terrain 10 quiz, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it's found in the metabolic approach to cancer. That's one way you can get it. But you can, they, you as a patient can start to go, go through and figure out, gosh, these may be the primary reasons why I may be where I am now. So the patient can start to do that. But as doctors, I think it's also important for us to ask the questions that patients don't get asked by other doctors, such as childhood trauma, what's going on in your relationships in your life, you know, stressors, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that all ties in. And, you know, oftentimes it's ironic that, that uh, my, in my own sense, but also in the patient's sense, it's those kinds of things are kind of invisible to them. I just, right. I just went through the 10 with a lady earlier this week, a wonderful lady. And as we were checking off all the yeses, she says, oh my gosh, I didn't realize all the, are all of these things related to cancer? Yeah. Because most people think of cancer as just this foreign, uh, foreign thing growing in them that just came out of nowhere. Right. And, and yet when you start to see that all these various elements can be carcinogenic, besides just a chemical here or, or a, a plastic there, but all these different elements it really begins to pe get people thinking about how their whole life may have set them up for this and that they're going to have to make some pretty big changes if they're going right. to change that. And we've been trained to think that it's a somatic mutation, right? It's like genes that cause cancer or it's like a, a luck of the draw. And not that we want to, we never want to place blame on ourselves for disease or place blame on anyone else, but it's taking responsibility and responsibility just means response able what can you do to now make changes to get you where you need to be and the intent for me has always been and i know for you too is to get people feeling better than they ever felt prior to getting cancer there's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break today's podcast is brought to you by biocenter laboratories the Biocenter Laboratory provides state-of-the-art lab testing and diagnostic services for healthcare providers, laboratories, hospitals, and the general public. Lab tests available through Biocenter include a comprehensive list of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, hormones, and pyrroles. They also provide a variety of standardized tests for disease markers. These markers include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and more. Visit biocenterlab.org to learn more. I tell people, I said, if we if we do this well together, I say, you know, you are going to be healthier. You're going to feel better than you've ever felt in spite of the fact that you've got cancer, because you're going to be addressing all those elements that maybe was dragging your health down. But you didn't you didn't realize no. it because yeah. we get used to being sick. We get yeah. used to, we, we assume this is our norm because we, we can only live in ourselves. And so the role of the oncologist or the health related naturopathic doctor or whatever, whatever kind of uh, practitioner is willing to go down this path with their patient, that role is to enlighten the patient to the path to better health. Exactly. Exactly. 
And I love, I love the term co-learner because mm-hmm. I think that patients, patients actually may not consciously know, but subconsciously at some level know the changes that need to be made. And if, if we can help to bring those things out, we're in an even better spot. So, well, a serious illness like cancer, it's kind of lonely. It's really lonely because a lot of your family and a lot of friends, oftentimes they'll back away. This, this scares everyone. And it's so nice to make a connection with patients and say, Hey, we've got something that will not only help you deal with this cancer, but you're going to be healthier than you've ever been, because this is the pathway you can now walk towards strengthening your immune system, controlling inflammation, uh, making dietary changes that you've always wanted to made, make, but you know, it, we always keep putting those things off. But once you've been given the, the C word, uh, it does start a whole new process of re- reviewing what really yeah. is important in my life now. Because right. it changes everything. And all of a sudden, and I know I hear this from so many patients when they're diagnosed, everybody becomes an expert about what they need to be doing, yeah. you know? And so it becomes not only the disease is stressful and fearful, but then it becomes stressful because they're trying to navigate it all. And so that's the beauty of what we can do as a team is really help to support that patient, help them feel not alone, but help to take that weight off their shoulders to guide them as to what really is important. And we are able to do it in an integrative way. This, yes. You know, so many patients feel like, oh, okay, I've either got to go alternative or I've got to go completely orthodox. And what we're saying, hey, you know, you really don't have to give up either one. You want to get the best of both worlds. And so how, how does that happen to you? How does that, in an average patient visit, kind of how does that happen with you? Well, gosh, I get... I get so many, I get patients across the board. I get patients who come and they say, I don't want to do any type of conventional care, yeah. you know? And so, and as much as I try to talk, cause I, I truly feel like there, if there's a chance for cure, let's shoot for that chance for cure. Even if that means we need to use some conventional care, cause we're going to support you through it to get you better than you ever were. So, um, and then, and so that's when we, that's when I'm hoping that I can bring the data together or empower them enough to realize that let's let go of the fear around conventional care and use it to our advantage and leverage it. You know, you just made me think of something. A lot of the people who have heard the horrors of conventional care, they haven't had the support of nutritional uh, stress management, focus on healing wounds, you know, emotional wounds, psychological wounds. The, The whole focus on the whole person is a strengthening process so you're better able to withstand the uh, the uh, slings and arrows of conventional therapy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a patient that comes to mind when we talk about this. She had stage, I think it got to stage three breast cancer and she was so scared. I mean, she had so much fear around any type of standard of care therapy. She lived with this for four to five years, just kept growing and we were finally able to get her husband was really great, but we were finally able to talk her into facing her fear. And that was a big thing. This was very wow. psychological, emotional, and she ended up going through treatment and she's now clear of disease mm-hmm. and to let go of that burden of something that had been weighing her down for so long, but it was facing the fear, but doing it, like you said, with a team with support, knowing that she was covered and she was held through it. 
So, okay. But it's different for everybody, right? It is. So when you go through your day and you, and you talk with cancer patients and work with them, what is it that you derive from, from this personally? Just uh, what, what is it that makes this such a fulfilling thing for you? I think the humanity piece, I think meeting together. I think that when someone is facing their mortality um, or whenever we're, we're faced with a really stressful situation, we tend to be a little bit more open and more grounded. And I think that we can have these personal relationships which are just so much deeper. And I've noticed that with my patients, you know, you, it's not just the doctor patient relationship, but it's a human human relationship. And I know I say, I, my husband always makes fun of me. I say human without the hue human, but yeah. So, but it's the human human relationship, which is, yeah. which yeah. is profound. And I think that that we can't forget about that in healing. Cause that is, that may be one of the most important aspects. Whereas there's that book, you know, radical remission. And what she points out in that book, uh, which I, I've read it, but I, I can't remember the author right now, but she, Turner. yes, Turner, she says of the nine things in that book, what is it? Five or six of them have nothing to do with con- you know, treating the cancer. It's about yeah. discovering your own empowerment, uh, yeah. realizing that, you know, you, what you think, what you do about this disease has as much, if not more than whatever the doctor is going to do or whatever, even we're going to do that people take responsibility and they take control of their life and they realize I'm bigger than this disease. Right. Right. It's so true. You set that foundation and then everything else can flow after it. It takes the fear out of it. You know, that's the big thing about cancer is that we do know, I mean, who does, who hasn't stood up for cancer because they know someone uh, that has cancer. I mean, I can think of three or four in my family. And, uh, and yet I know that in the, in the cases where people have not done well, I don't think they've been adequately supported like what you talk about. And so we're, I know Dr. Reardon wanted that he, he was a psychiatrist by training, but, and, but as a friend of Linus Pauling, he learned that vitamin C could be very beneficial, but by no means do we, did we ever think that vitamin C alone was the answer. There's not any one nutrient or one approach that does the job. You've got to- It's the terrain, right? It's the terrain. We put the terrain together and we create harmony. And we can't just have, you can think of it as an orchestra too. Like we need the orchestra or the symphony. We can't just have a duet, right? We're not going to get where we want to be with a duet. We need need the whole symphony together to harmonize the body. So. And then you have to, and you have to tune the instruments, you know, exactly. and there's a, there's a training process that you have to know how to play the instruments. And so it's nice to be able to uh, be kind of like uh, teachers, co-learners. Yeah. And, and, and as we always come back to that word, it's a word of empowerment. It's a word of opportunity. It's, it's a word of hope for a lot of people. Yeah. It's very true. So. Okay. Well, I think we're just about out of time, but I'd kind of like to give you the last word. What, uh, what are you most thankful for in terms of your, your career and in terms of your future? I am most thankful for 
the connections I've been able to make and the doctors I've been able to work with. Um, I feel like it has been just such, such a blessing because I've been able to pull from everybody and learn these things and it has created a whole picture for me. And I know that I will continue to, you just, as a doctor, that's why they call it the practice of medicine, right? right. Because we're continuing to learn and continuing to grow and we need our patients to help us do that too. So I'm so, I'm so fortunate for the experiences that I've had and moving forward, I'm so fortunate to be part of Reardon because I think that we have just got such a great team and I know that we can all work to lift the patient up because truly the patient should be in the middle and we should be the ones supporting the patient, patient-centered care. Yeah. And so I feel fortunate to be able to do that. Well, Dr. West, we, I can speak for our staff here. We're thrilled that you have joined us and I'm, I'm thrilled to be working with such a wonderful human being. And so uh, let's do great things, huh? Upward and onward. There yeah. you go. Thanks for being on, on our show. Absolutely, Ron. Take, talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.